can do anything you want. I ain't got no problem with it. I promise you that shit. Listen to the words. He, 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 he. Garbage. A joke. Clown axe. Pisses me off. No. Come find no. me. No. 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 He. No. Come find me. Listen to the words. He. Come find he. me. He. He. Garbage. A joke. Clown axe. Pisses me off. I ain't a hard guy to find. I promise you that shit. He. Listen to the word. Garbage. A joke. Clown axe. Pisses me off. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in on a Thursday evening, third show of the week, and it is your show. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it is your show. It is Q&A. No MBR tonight. No takes from yours truly until you start provoking them out of me via a question format. Okay. Typically, I used to say these all the time, like going into these shows, super nervous because like you never know, like if people, like, especially if you don't have an audience, like when we had like 400 subscribers on YouTube and we were brave enough to do Q&A sessions, man, super nerve wracking because you don't know like who's going to show up if there's going to be questions during the whole chat nowadays we have to shut these things down at the end so that is a testament to you guys the growth of the channel and all that good stuff shouts out to the og intro glad you guys could be here with us this evening if you didn't catch us we had mbr monday and tuesday and they were terrific uh couldn't even tell you what they were about got too much going on in the in, in the world and in the life right now um i can tell you that we've gotten two Warzone dubs in the last two nights I'm just saying, some would call it a streak. Some, or some would call it a heater. I mean, some would definitely call it a heater. Yours truly clutched up a dub last night. Turn me up one. That's all I'm saying. All right, we're going to be back on it tonight. Don't worry about it. That's, that's, just, that's just what we got going on in the late nights. Um, nonetheless, uh, Q&A going on tonight. But this is just the start of uh not just the start of content this is the the second active content for us already uh tonight we're over on patreon for about 40 minutes but not about 30 minutes okay uh watching the second team offensive unit against vanderbilt last year and boys and girls let me tell you something right now uh it, i went in thinking i'm not gonna do too much over hype okay i'm not gonna do too much selling i'm not gonna have these folks leaving with too much aspirations about one in particular player because of one solid performance or one groups of solid performances. But son, every single time I watch Carson Beck play quarterback, I leave thinking the same thing. That dude cares. That dude cares about playing the quarterback position the right way, whatever the right way is, right? Operating within the system, uh, playing with good fundamentals, playing with good technique, uh, playing on time, uh, extending plays when he needs to. It's very clear to me watching him throw the football that he operates and works on his craft. All right. I also know through just being around the program the last couple of years, he does work on his craft a tremendous amount. And when you watch the tape that we just got done watching, particularly that Vandy game, right? We watched two full drives of him, right? I think it was 11 attempts. And, and guys, it just clicking through reads, playing with perfect technique, play, uh, you know, fundamentals, eyes tied to every single read he's got, and ripping the football in good ball placement all up and down, and play within the offense and play within himself, play like a confident, uh, mature, uh, professional quarterback. Uh, take all that into account, plus what I know, which is that 
He's immensely talented, right? He is one of these 1% throwers in a six-foot-and-a-half, 230-pound body. I said today on the film study that you guys should go watch, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin, um, the one we're talking about right now and teasing. It's already in the books. We just got done wrapping it up. Um, anyways, what I said on the film study was if this guy was like six foot two and a half and he moved at the exact same speed that he does right now, but he was just a little bit more compact, you would probably think he's a better better athlete than he actually is right now. And that sounds goofy, but it's it's true in a sense that there are these things called ugly athletes. There are these things like Daniel Jones, who is just too big for you to understand and too lanky and too goofy looking for you to understand that he's actually like a four, six, eight runner, like a four, seven, two runner. And he actually gets up to like, I don't know, close to 20 miles an hour speed at like six, four and a half, two twenty-five. He is like a seven and a half athlete. When asked after the national title game, hey, Kirby, do you think you have to be an immense athlete or a really good fleet of foot athlete to play the quarterback position now because you've coached a football player and had success with a football player like Stetson Bennett? And his retort was, I think Stetson's about an eight, maybe an eight and a half on the athletic scale. I think to be a successful quarterback in today's football, you have to be about a six and a half. I've said it over and over again. We quantified it. We showed it to you. It didn't quantify. You can't put a number on it, a physical, actual number and data point. But we showed it to you on tape. I thought today, Carson Beck, if he ain't a 6.8 on the athletic erector scale score, I don't know what it looks like. That dude is a B-minus athlete with fleet of foot speed, right? All the other stuff, all the off-platform throws, all the uh, 1% talent throws, all the uh, athletic traits, all the uh, moving away from D tackles, flicking the ball this way, or mo- moving on a run, throwing on a run, get, uh, throwing a ball on a corner out, all that stuff, that the athleticism required to do all that stuff, 10 of 10. Just as good as anybody else on the roster, if not better. So super excited for you guys to kind of – I, I would imagine the spring is going to be a lot like what we saw on tape this year from him against power five bodies in mop in mop up duty guys this is a dude at this point has played a lot of college football and we'll get to questions here in a second this is a dude at Carson Beck who has played and seen a lot of college reps at this point in his stage of his career okay he's been practicing against the best of the best at the University of Georgia for going on three and a half years remember this was an early enrollee he got to play in them bowl practices with Jake Fromm on the roster back in the day when George Pickens was going for a buck 80 against Baylor all right this is a dude that's been around the program for a long long time and played and seen a lot of football so he's going to get to walk into a very very light schedule um uh, you know most likely and even this spring be very very comfortable within an offense and go operate I would presume like he did during this season um do got a lot of reps you know, you blow out Oregon to start the football game. He's, I mean, I went back and watched that just before I started uh, tonight's show. He's in that Oregon game with like four minutes left in the third. He got like five drives against the Ducks. So he's had a really, really long season or really, really uh, good look at football uh, and, and what football looks at this level. Um, so I, I, I do expect uh, to hear a lot of good things this spring. I expect the momentum for him to continue to roll, and I expect him to look really, really good this fall based off, you know, what he's put on tape already and what what the tea leaves have uh, kind of trinkled in. Glad you guys have now trinkled in. It's about a, 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 a buck of you, about 100 of you. I don't know why I said it that way. About 100 of you right now on YouTube. Uh, hit that thumbs up button. Spam that live chat. Okay, we will address as many of these Q's and these A's as we can get to tonight. Appreciate you guys for being here, man. Seriously, uh, love being here all 
offseason. Love growing with you guys. Love working with you guys. Have already heard some feedback. Do not, uh, you know, hesitate to kind of reach out, man. And, uh, you know, suggestions, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, praise them. If you, if you got any praise for the program, hit us up in the comments with that as well. Going to be here Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, all offseason, jam-packed for you guys. Let's get rattling. Here we go. Actually, let's hit super subs first, okay? We, we just got Robert saying he's here, letting everybody know. Um, and then we got, we got Rudy asking how much do we love the RPG. So this is another Call of Duty. Sorry, I know some some shows don't always just talk football. We're, we're pretty always football here. Call of Duty might sneak its way into the show tonight, obviously, via Super Sub here. Rudy is our resident uh, RPGer in the group and, and, and on the uh, on the game right there. So my boy walks around with a gold RPG, and he is about that thing. And so watch out. Oh, we got some more Warzone here. Uh, best Warzone weapon, in your opinion? I'm a uh, I'm an M4 guy now with the extended mags. Um, also walking around with that Icarus. Listen to me, David. You'd be so proud, Jay. You're so proud right now. I know you are. Listen to me very clearly knowing cod terms here walk around that icarus in warzone lately because you know i love them extended mags and the mobility from that kind of it's really it's not an lmg but it kind of is you know what i'm saying with the mobility factor and the m4 i like the fact that it doesn't have a lot of recoil so there you go and just got to the point where both of those are uh you know tuned up and all that good stuff hey enough of the warzone questions straight into football now my bads my bads here we go uh, for the brand. Oh, just we, we got subbers just subbing. I appreciate you guys. Let's rattle off questions now. Woo! Nine and a half minutes in, the dude just getting to him. Matthew McKinney was up in this joint, I mean, before the Joker even started. All right? I, before I even got in here and started looking at comments, my boy had comments. All right? And I... It's an interesting one. Here we go. He says, Sup, Brooks. Kirby is known for being a hard-nosed uh, football coach during practices. How do you think the uh, Devin Willock tragedy will affect his willingness to be as hard going forward? Uh, I think these types of off-the-field, quote-unquote, cultural issues, um, I don't want to dismiss this as one-offs. I do not want to dismiss this as something that, uh, you know, just happens i don't it's just oh i don't want to just knock those things off like that some people will shrug these things off i'm not that guy but i'm also not going to sit here and say georgia has some kind of cultural issue or kirby smart's not doing some part of, part of his job correctly or he needs to do something different no i i don't know what the changes are to prevent uh two cars uh, seemingly racing down the track and a tragic death happening I don't know if that means that uh, Kirby Smart cusses a little less when he's on the microphone. You see what I'm saying? Like, the, I think the two are disconnected, though I do appreciate um, kind of the human element, right? Trying to get to, towards the human element of it because there is an aspect of that, right? This is a guy who does love these individuals. Um, particularly, I mean, the, the, the football-coach relationship, the player-coach relationships, y'all know that. Kirby Smart loves his football players. But Chandler LaCroix, if, you, if you've – you know, kind of studied up on who she was. That was also a near and dear uh, kind of person around the football program for Kirby Smart as well. So uh, I surely he's changed and altered as a human, probably not as a football coach, if that makes any sense. Here we go. Uh, JJ Fuller says, who else just came from the Patreon study and is ready to be elite with the questions? Amen to that one there, JJ. Who's that coming down the tracks? Uh it, it, is it a me machine? Red, black? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Let's, look, look at me acting like I don't know. Here we go. Uh, see, I, I, it's the who's and the what's that y'all be bickering about, right? 
y'all y- y- really y'all really like the who's and the what's don't like the who's and the who's don't like the what's right in the Georgia fan base y'all that's how that's how y'all are split yeah it, it's very like the, the Justin Fields Jake Fromm discussion y'all real 50 50 on that one y'all real 50 50 on the who's and the what's right and I think it dates back to who who has respect for the band and who doesn't because the band sees it as one way and some people think that's the gospel and then the the, the other folks see it the other way Y'all real split on the who's and the what's coming down the tracks. I just know it's a mean machine in the red and the black. So there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Where are we at? Where are we at? Let's go back up to it. Uh, we got some Javon Ballard love. Hey, man, did y'all see the the tweet we had today? It was banging. I was watching. So we're doing some things around the house, and, and I, we had to be out of the house for a couple hours today. And I was sitting in a coffee shop parking lot not gonna tell you where it is because i'm not that it was starbucks you know where it was uh you know <laughs> oat milk latte venti for sure uh iced definitely um sugar-free but nonetheless okay sitting in the parking lot watching some javon blard tape it was just mystified because you know i can't i can't get enough tape if if at any point in my life i need to just blank out and not think about anything and not worry about anything. I just turn football tape on. That's just what I do. I don't know about you guys, but that's just what I do. So yeah, we we, we tweeted some good stuff from Javon because man, I I love watching that guy play football. Man, for real. All right, Matthew McKinney says, do quarterbacks work on running slash sprinting technique the same way other skill players do? Can Beck do anything to get a bit faster? Uh, yeah. They're I mean they're all running together and do, going through the offseason program. It's funny. The only thing that quarterbacks probably don't do just like everybody else is uh, bench press. And that's at some programs. Other programs just make you do it no matter what. But every program I've ever been around, every successful football program I've ever, ever been around and talk, you know, strength and conditioning and and, and uh, workout programs and stuff like that. Yeah, you're you're lifting as a cue no matter what. Um, it is very much so a, uh, a team building experience and things like that. I love how, if y'all don't know, uh, Jay Griff right here, one of the best uh, edit guys. He's our graphics team. When I mention the graphics team, it's him right here. Uh, I love how he sneaks a question in that he texted me the other day when we were working on a graphic. I love it. I love it. Um, Here we go. Let's get after it. Uh, Could we see Morris or Fairchild fight and push for Truss's job? Also, who currently is the backup center? Shouts out Jay Griff. Shouts out the graphics, graph team. Um, is there is there something we can work there with graphics, 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 maybe Jay Griffics, Jay Graphics? I'm just, I'm not trying to be the marketing guy here for you, but hey, the film guy turned the marketing guy for just a second. Something there, right? We call you Jay Griff. You work on graphics. Jay Graphics, something. Something there for you. Okay, just working. Let's answer your question here. Um does either Morris or Fairchild push trust? I think they push both those guys for playing time. I think there are moments at points in time this year where Tate Rattledge is off the field and uh, Xavier Trust is off the field at points in time for either of those two young men to play football. They are just too damn good. Micah Morris and Dylan Fairchild are NFL football players. Tate Rattledge, Xavier Trust are NFL football players. You have four NFL guards. You can only play two of them at one time, okay? You will play a lot of those guys. You will play a lot of those guys by nature of your schedule, okay? You will be blowing teams out, all that good stuff. 
Um, so, yeah, it is expected that they will play. Will they beat those guys out? I I don't – man, it's it's – in that interior offensive line position, it's hard to beat out an old guy. They've just seen so many different things, right? They, when they see a tight end game stunt, a TE stunt, when that rap comes, they just see it faster. I mean, as as ugly as Schaefer looked at times, his body was in the right place at all times. He might have gotten ran over, but he was at least at the, right there at the right time. And with young football players, particularly in a season where you're working a quarterback, trying to get him really, really acclimated to, you know, being the starter and being the guy, whichever one it is, uh, whoever you have your hopes for, um, even though we're pretty – when I say we, this channel, this the film guy, whatever, from what I've seen, Beck's the guy. There you go. Um, especially what we watched today and what we're going to continue to watch as we dig deep into these uh, twos reps moving forward. Uh, but as you work a guy in, you don't want guys blowing assignments. You don't want guys, you know, missing blocks, things like that. As for your second question in there about the uh, center position, I've been told, and here we go, live nug for you. Should have put this in Patreon before I gave it to you out here. I've been told during this offseason – the, the 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 backup snapping position has kind of been not not necessarily solidified, but the questions about it in the future have been solved. I think tomorrow, if you needed it to happen, Austin Blaschke might jump down there and play center if something happened to Cedric Van Pram. But I think Jared Wilson's going to be fine. And he was always going to be fine from a football playing perspective. It was a matter of snapping. And I think this offseason, that's gotten cleaned up. Here we go. What was your favorite signature play to watch from last year's team? Oh, I'm pushing piles like grown men, Darnell being a freak, Bowers flying around, multiplicity in the secondary, or something else. Um, I, I've said this one over and over again, talking about last year's team in particular. Year three under uh, any coordinator, you're always going to see like the full complexity of what they can be. By then, you've had a t you've had time. Everyone's comfortable. You've had plenty. You've had two full off seasons at that point. First one doesn't really count, no matter where you are, no matter who you are. The first year is just getting your feet wet and introducing yourself to the person you're trying to date and marry. Right. Year two, you're actually running your offense. Year three, it's like full go. Right. So that's what we kind of saw um, there. But from I, from what did I love most? It was watching them change. In and out every week. In and out every week. They were attacking something. And for me, it's fun to be able to – I always connect it to not, – not, not to be selfish, but like I always try to make it a game, right? I go into the week. I study the opponent. I look at what their weaknesses are, and I jot my notes down, right? We say, hey, like I would do this to them. I, I, would, I would get into these formations to attack this. I would go after this person. A prime example of this is against TCU – if you're over on Patreon, we were sitting in the hotel uh, on the hotspot on my phone in San Antonio during the Adidas All-American game, okay, out there scouting uh, Jordan Hall and Pierce Sperlin and all those guys that played in that game and Monroe Freeland and all those guys, and we're sitting in the hotel room, and I'm breaking down TCU film, and I'm watching, and I'm, I'm watching Texas get them into some funky formations into the boundary, and I'm looking at numbers, and I'm saying, wait, wait, wait a minute, that don't look right. Now imagine if this is, you know, Brock Bowers and if this is Darnell and if this was Kenny Mack and, and if you did this, right, and we start bunching into the boundary and start attacking and, and running flood into the boundary, FIB, as they call it, okay? Next thing you know, during the national title, they're scoring multiple touchdowns on such fronts, right, There are in, in such formations, right? Being able to 
study, see, match, say, like, before the game, this is what should happen. Then to see it happen, those are what I love. Like, those are the moments that stick out to me. No different than you as a fan probably remember exact moments of, like, where you were or, like, what beer you were holding in your hand when a, when a certain touchdown was scored, right? Um, that kind of stuff. The way you connect to the, the game, that's the way my brain connects to what not only the game, but what is my career and what is my job. So there we go. Do you think we have speed at the running back position in 2023? Hey, this is an interesting question because for me, man, yeah, I don't know if y'all remember, but Dejon Edwards in high school was thick. I mean, I remember Dejon Edwards in high school. In my opinion, like when I eyeball scouted him, I thought I thought my guy was like 205 pounds. I mean, he looked like a big, thick boy to me. Okay, here is a photo of him. Let's see if I can, I, I can I can share my screen here. Let's go share screen. Let's go window. We're gonna go to this one. All right, this is Dejon Edwards in high school. Look at his lower body. Okay, look at how thick his legs are. All right, look at this one. That is a thick individual. He's weighing like 195, 200 pounds. Okay, I mean, look at this photo. That is a big man. That is a really big, uh, thick individual, thick in the hips individual. Then you see him get to Georgia, and the waist starts getting real, real tiny. The legs start getting real, real thin. Okay, I, all I'm saying is when the, the first time I saw Dejan in person, I mean, look at him. He got real. I mean, he got sucked in. It's like they ran all the body fat off of him. So. Do they have a burner? Do they have an absolute go-go juice, Scott? Do they have a Dwight Phillips Jr. on their roster like they do on their commitments list currently? No. They do not have somebody that is a 4-3-8 guy in that backfield right now. But I saw I saw Todd Munkin give this dude a jet sweep against LSU. I saw him run him in jet motion and toss him the football, and he outran the edge. So from a football X's and O's perspective, right, the the question of do you have a do you have a speed back? The only way to answer the question is get your ass in jet motion and see if you got somebody to outrun an edge. And if you do, if you got one to outrun LSU and Harold Perkins and all them guys, by God, you got you got a fast back. You got a fast enough back. All right. Here we go. Brooks, thinking long term, do we need to worry about Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks? You are the University of Georgia. I do not believe that the University of South Carolina is a 12-year or 12-win annual-a-year team. I don't think that is possible, okay? You got to have a 100,000-seat stadium for me to believe you can be a 12-, 13-win annual team in the SEC. Look at, that. Look at the history books, guys. Look at the commitments every single year financially it requires to win at the rates that the University of Georgia, Alabama, even LSU – has right okay all these schools in the sec if you're going to win on a perennial basis at the 12 12 game a year clip if you're going to be like committed okay to winning you got i mean tennessee's got the, about the only shot at this point they are the closest that would be the sleeping giant i would worry about the only problem is for them i don't know if it's a problem but pollen's a problem for me but i i don't know if there's like a uh if there's going to be a uh, – what, what was I saying? 
<coughs> excuse me, recruiting for Hypel. I don't know if he's going to be able to clear the recruiting space um, year in, year out to recruit in the top three level for like four or five years to recruit at the level or annually and to have the success annually that uh, the University of Georgia does. But as far as Beamer does, hey, that dude is going to maximize South Carolina's ceiling, right? And I have said it on this channel. I think South Carolina's ceiling is 10, 11 wins a year. You should go into the season and say, hey, we could win the SEC East, but, man, we got to win every game we should win, and then we got to go win a couple that we probably shouldn't have won. We probably should have snuck out a couple, right? Beamer can definitely do that for you. Um, and, and and that's what it is, man. I don't maybe, – maybe maybe South Carolina fans might think they are national title contenders, um, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. What wide receivers do you think we signed in the 2024 class? Uh, far too early. Far too early here. But here's what I will say. Um, apart from the recent uh, offer in 2026, Brian McClendon is typically a big, tall, long guy. All right? So think more Tyler Williams moving forward than Ladd McConkey. Okay? Think more um, like even uh, even our guy down there, Nye Carr down there at uh, Colquitt County, he's getting tall. He's getting like six, two and a half. He's stretching out by the hour. All right. And he's a burner. So there you go. You already got one in the class in my car. Um, might be another one. We got we got to catch up on 2024 from a uh, recruitment standpoint. And that's what the spring is about for me. Spring's a big time evaluation period for me. So we're getting after it for sure. Here we go. Let's see here. Who's replacing Chris Smith at safety? We've kind of talked about this the other day on biggest questions for the spring. Um, there are a handful of names, including some new ones here that you should be paying attention to. Um, first of all, David uh, Daniel Sisavon is going to be probably like, quote unquote, starting this spring next to Malachi Starks because um, Dan Jackson is not going to be a full participant this spring, I do not believe coming back from his injury from a year ago. Um, so there, there's those two. Uh, Jonel Aguero is going to be in the rotation heavily. Also think he might split some time playing some star this spring. We'll see. Tyke Smith's going to cross train as star and safety as well. Um, a new name that's kind of popped up on the radar of like, hey, man, seven on seven, we've had a, they've had an opportunity to kind of find out who some of these freshmen are. Uh, Justin Rett might be a football player, folks. Uh, was playing corner at Bishop Gorman. Very clear if you saw any footage or uh, coverage down there at the Under Armour events, uh, at the Under Armour All-American game. That dude is big. I mean, he is a thick dude. They immediately moved him back to safety. Turns out he's a pretty good football player. So there's like four or five guys that are rotating for one spot because you know the other one, Malachi Starks, is going to play a bunch. But I think he might play uh, two nickels this year. It reminds me... They're totally different because they're both really, really short. <laughs> Not really, really short, but they're both much shorter than the two individuals I'm going to talk about. But a couple of years back in 2019 and 2020, when Tyreek Stevenson was still on the roster, every time teams got in third and long, third, like third and obvious passing downs, Mark Webb and Tyreek Stevenson were on the field. Tyreek Stevenson would kind of hang out in the box and do a bunch of fun stuff. And then, you know, they would roam Richard LeCount and they would let the two nickel defensive backs kind of handle any tight ends and any guys over the middle that caused any problems. I think you might see them play uh, the the, the three-headed kind of trio of Javon Ballard, Tyke Smith, and Malachi Starks a lot together on obvious passing downs. 
Those are three individuals who are three very uniquely talented individuals, very different talents that all do a tremendous job of creating havoc when the ball is in the air. They just, they're three people who have a natural inclination to be around the football somehow, some way. They're not supposed to be there. They did, they disobey their rules sometimes to get there. They're just, they just happen. The Marvin Harrison play is a prime example. Javon Ballard breaking up that play legally, by the way, making contact with his shoulder, albeit first. Okay. Um, he just there. Tyke Smith is a very similar player. Malachi Starks is a very similar player in that fashion. Here we go. Julie Moon. Shouts out, Julie. Julie is one of our uh, most uh, adamant supporters on Instagram. That is right. Your boy has an Instagram page. Shouts out at Brooks Austin BA on all your social media platforms. Um, yeah, we don't do a lot of Instagramming, but uh, Julie constantly, ta constantly tagging me in her stories. And yeah, uh, we, we love, we, we love the love, you know what I mean? Here we go. How does Bowers game change this year without giant Darnell on the field too? So here, here's the thing that we talked about a little bit the other day. I think the, the new 12 personnel, if you will, the, the Oscar Delp and Brock Bowers combination of the 12 personnel stresses defenses uniquely in a different, much different way. When Georgia gets into 12 this year, I think they're going to be in a, a detached version. I don't think you're going to see two tights. I don't think you're going to see, uh, you know, Brock Bowers in line on the line of scrimmage with Brock Bowers right on his hip like it was Darnell and Bowers these last couple of years or Darnell on one side of the line of scrimmage and then Brock Bowers uh, detached on the other side in motion. I don't think it looks like that very often. It might get into that on some short yardage downs or some obvious rundowns, right? They might still do some of that stuff, but they won't live in it like they did at times this year. Nowadays, they'll split them. So when they split them out like this, what they will now stress defenses to do is they will say, like used to, they didn't worry about necessarily linebackers in the SEC having to run and cover Darnell Washington. Believe it or not, SEC linebackers, every single one of them, they're out here running 4-6-5. Every single one of them. All of them. They did, did not stress about Darnell running away from them. So they would put linebackers on Darnell in passing routes and passing coverages. Now, he would stress them totally different in the run game. That's beside the point. The new point is now – you can't do that. We're just going to put a linebacker shit on Delp. You can't do that. He will run away from you. He's a 4-4-9 guy. He's a 4-5 flat guy. I'm here to tell you not every single linebacker in the SEC does that. All right, so the new 12 stresses you a different way that the old 12 did. Now, instead of can that safety hold up in the run game when they lean on us and can he kind of big body and, oh, crap, we got to guard Bowers. Now it's, hey, how do we guard these guys? How do we spread out enough to run with these tight ends who are really not tight ends? Both of them are uniquely talented with the ball in their hands after the catch and they're tough, contested catchers. How do we handle these big six-foot-four running backs that are playing tight end? That's the question that defenses now have to face. Great question, though. You know what? I told you the other day, men, ladies, if you're, especially women, or you know anybody, if you're handling the yard, my 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 mom handled the yard growing up. Believe it or not. Um, so yeah, shouts out, mama. I always wonder why she had the rag on her face in the spring, pollen. <clears throat> 
We're reaping it. I know y'all. Oh, that was probably excellent on podcast. We are available on podcast. You can get a little ASMR, okay, through the nostrils. Uh, just search Film Guy Network, however, wherever you find your podcast. That probably sounded absolutely tremendous on this nice, fancy microphone. What a professional this guy is. How dare you? I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna read this comment out loud. How dare you? I do not. Can you break down Ryan Puglisi's film? What are your thoughts on him? Hey, guess what? This I know. ZE, ZE 1993. I'm not calling you out, but I'm calling you out. I'm gonna presume, I'm not gonna say that this is a joke. I'm gonna presume that you are new to the channel. And if you are, that's great. Thanks for being here. I actually have film study. With the man himself, okay, Ryan Puglisi sat down with us via a, a nice little StreamYard link, okay, and broke down his own tape, okay? It was a fantabulous interview. We've done a, a very similar thing, actually the exact same thing, with Zacoby White, Julian Lewis, the number one quarterback in 2026, Monroe Freeland, the uh, five-star tackle that just enrolled at the University of Georgia. We've done like five of these episodes. Guys, I love that y'all show up and listen to my big-headed ass rant and rave and get way too excited about football. I love that y'all do that. But some of the best stuff that we do, I truly believe y'all don't watch. And this is a prime example of it. And I'm a little, I'm not upset, but I'm a little hurt because I think it's some of the best stuff we do. Having football players on like Ryan Puglisi talk through his play you will not find higher quality football content, I, I truly believe, when it comes to your football program. These are the guys that are going to be on your fields talking about who they are as football players, not why'd you pick Georgia, what you like about Todd Munkin for the 9,000th time. This is real stuff, and it's on the channel. You should check it out. Brooks is no longer mid at Cod. Three months ago, dude hit in the mid-container on shipment. It's not a lie. It's not a lie. Probably, you know, self uh deploy too, right there in, in the in the container. The shipment be crazy, bro. Uh, Willie Jr. Who has a better coaching staff, in your opinion, in the SEC than Georgia? Nobody. Um, I do. I do like how I do like how Hypo's staff is congruent. If you look at Hypo, particularly his offensive staff, not necessarily his defensive staff. If you look at his offensive staff, most of those guys are Hypo guys. Okay, they've been around Josh Hypo for a long, long time. That provides continuity. That provides consistency. That provides all that good stuff that leads to uh, year-in and year-out results. Let's see here. Wow, Jonathan with the long one. Tighten it up, man. I'm just kidding, Jay Will. Here we go. If Ringo goes in the first round, UGA will have had three straight years where a secondary player goes in the first round. Wow. Would be a first in program history. First since Ohio State in 2016 through 18 thoughts. My first thoughts is, my God, was that run of Ohio State corners some dog doo-doo. I think that's the... If I if I remember correctly, like Joe Hayden's the only was Joe, no Joe Hayden was a Florida uh, defensive back. They had some bad ones in that run because Cleveland had a couple of them, and it was just miss 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 on the first round corners at Ohio State. But what does that say about Georgia? Nothing that we didn't really know. 
right? And it's a byproduct of really great coaching. I think right now, if you polled like the AFCA, the American Football Coaches Association, every year when they do their clinic, they poll a bunch of high school and college football coaches. I wish they would like poll them anonymously, anonymously, anonymously about like who their favorite coaches are in certain areas. Like who is the best, if like head coaches included, who is the best defensive backs coach in America? I think number one, unequivocally, would probably be Nick Saban, and then it would be Kirby Smart. Somebody, like, it would be a, almost a coin flip, maybe. Might be a coin flip. Saban might get it just because of the, the old head nod. But when it comes to the world of college football and even professional football, there are very few individuals that coach and know the cornerback position and defensive back position like Kirby Smart. It's one of, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I, actually, I know this for a fact. His first ever job, his first ever position coaching job, which is the first real ones, GAs don't count, don't count those as first jobs. His first ever real job was the defensive backs coaching job at Valdosta State. His defensive coordinator was Will Muschamp. They go way back, and he goes way back to the position of the defensive back long before, or, you know, just short after his career as a football player. Okay, so he knows that one really, really well. But yeah, the 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 uh, <laughs> it's just he's just plugging his tweet. Um, to answer your question or to get back to your question, the idea that they are having this un like great run on on first round corners um, is not necessarily unprecedented, but it's unprecedented in the SEC in the last decade or so. Here we go. Christian Gokel asks, "Who are the tier one teams in college football?" And is Clemson still up there? So I think there's like immediately in my mind, my mind goes boom, right off the top, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Those are the three that in my mind are guarantees. I think Ohio State for just Michigan's creeping their way in because the way they're handling that rivalry and the Big Ten annually as a conference boils down to just that. So can we put like a half a star on Michigan? and just boil the Big Ten down to that, like, the Tier 1 team is just who wins that game because that's what their conference is anyways. We've talked about that on this conference or on this network for quite some while. So in terms of Clemson's ability to maintain that, they're still cakewalking through the ACC. The problem and the concern I have about Clemson is conference realignment and what happens to the ACC as a whole. But – Considering the top, the the twelve team college football expansion, they're probably going to walk their way to a college football playoff every single year, assuming the ACC still holds true. So yeah, I think the the most important thing for me when I think about Clemson, okay, going into this season and going into the next chapter of Clemson football, because I think the first chap chapter is kind of, let's not call it closed, but it's closed, right? The Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence decade transcendent quarterback back-to-back -back type stuff that chapter of Clemson football closed new chapter into the new NIL uh portal of college football has now opened but the new chapter of uh Clemson football started for me when Dabo Sweeney decided he was going to go out and fire an offense coordinator and go out and hire an, a, a really really high paying one and one that was like the sport was after and Garrett Riley at TCU when you see a dedicated move to change like that, for me, that indicates a, a coach that has identified some uh, 
some issues within and of himself. And he's pointed the finger and say like, hey, we got to change. And I know I'm the defensive guy, but we're going to change it. And we're going to go out of my comfort zone. And we're not going to hire within. We're going to go out of this building. And we're going to bring someone else in, someone new, someone fresh, someone different. And for a guy like Dabo Swinney who does not do that, that to me was like the, hey, Clemson might be moving more towards maintaining their supremacy of the ACC. But the problem, or the not the main problem, but the concern for me is the recruiting rankings at Clemson. Okay. If you just look at it, prior to NIL, they were a consistent top seven recruiting ranking team for about a five to seven year stretch under Sweeney. And ever since NIL has just increased its importance in, in the sport of college football, tick, 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 Clemson's just fallen. Not like a rock, but they're just kind of doing this. And, and and that'll that'll eventually play out on the field. It hasn't quite yet, but I think it'll catch up to them. Here we go. Honestly, I have to thank you, Brooks, for telling me about the cookout. 14's uh $39 of oh, you talking about cookout. Um, yeah, yeah, dog. Cookout. Cookout is bang for that buck. Okay. Um, hope you got strong porcelain at the house, though. That's all I'm gonna say. There's a lot. ZE93 up in here. Uh, will we still have a need to do deep crossing plays on third down, or do you think we will now have the wide receivers to spread teams out on third down? Okay, so uh, the the idea of crossing the field and running to space, that is now football. That is modern offense of concepts, okay? So saying down set hut, run across the field to the hash, Arian Smith, that better still be in the playbook, okay? Bobo, if you're listening, that better be still in the playbook. Now, are you going to be a seam from number two, dig from number one on third and nine to bring that 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 X receiver back into the face of Stetson Bennett and let him throw a, a nice timing dart route right in front of his face? Maybe not, because now you got a quarterback that can ins- and and a receiver group, by the way, that can now go. Hey, now we're going to say ball on the right hash. Okay, we got a quarterback that can now throw the double move, sell the post to the comeback all the way across the field. That big boy NFL 1% throw, that damn Carson really spends it, George Pickens. I want him to throw at the pro day type throw that, ooh, y'all see that ball come out of his hand type throw? He's got those, so maybe that opens up a different portion of the playbook. First thing we're doing if we ever get a new studio, installing a cough button on one of these sure mics. They don't have one. The old uh, the old uh Yeti mic that I had had a little mute button right on it. These these sure mics, these professional mics, they don't have them. You gotta install them somehow. Shouts out to Celsius and this here caffeine. Here we go, here we go. What are you hearing about the new tight ends, Pierce and Lawson from Ride Fly? What an interesting name there. Um, I want to know what weights and bodies look like. That's the first thing. I don't I don't need to hear about seven on seven. I've been watching them dudes tear up the shit out of seven on seven for the last three years. Matter of fact, that's the only time I ever saw Lawson Lucky get the football was in seven on seven most of the time until his senior year. So and that ain't no shots at Norcross. They won way more football games when they didn't have to throw him the football than they did when they did have to throw him the football. Okay, so I got that well under locks. I understand that. I'm just saying I've done seen and heard 
about Lawson Lucky and Pierce Sperlin tearing shit up in seven on seven for years now. I don't care about that. What I care about is what do their bodies look like? How much have they changed? The first time I get my eyes on it, the first time I hear about it, the first time I'm told about it, you will hear about it. Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. Oh, great operational football question here. Matthew McKinney asks, what does day one of spring practice usually look like? It is the most hated portion of spring practice for offensive linemen ever. But you will say, Brooks, if it's hot, I mean, even fall camp, it freaking sucks. Day one is awful. But Brooks, why? You don't have pads on. You're not hitting. You're just running around. It's all chill. No, it is not. Defensive linemen and linebackers and safeties and corners, they don't understand what thud speed is. They don't understand what half speed is. All they know is I get to go forward. I get to chase something and see something and touch something and tag off on something. And whoo, we get to go do something for the first time in Friggin' six, seven weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks at the University of Georgia. These dudes are itching to hit some shit. And guess what? You ain't got nothing on. And you getting to catch, catch folks. Because that's what offensive linemen doing without pads. Because I ain't hitting nothing. I can't touch you. You have no pads on. All I'm hitting is chest. All I'm hitting is pectoral muscle. That's it. And you got this face mask on. And you're darting at me full speed. The first day of spring practice is the worst day ever for any offensive lineman. If you are a freshman and you are entering college right now, son, go buy you a nice mouthpiece, get the nice chin strap, and buckle your shit up. Go get a a skeleton. Go get that uh, shoulder brace. Get everything you can. By God, make it feel like you got pads on when you go out there because they finna set that shit off. I'm telling you right now. That is what day one of spring practice feels like. It feels like the offense can't do nothing. It feels like you can't move the football. It feels like the next day, your daggum shoulders, your arms are just chewed up. I mean, you got claw marks, your neck sore because you're wearing a helmet for the first time in two months. PTSD. That's what that sounded like. It sounded like a guy with PTSD right there. There's a whole segment of it. We know where we're at. Hit the super sub. Your personal opinion, is Chaz Chambliss the next man up, or do you think someone else on the roster or incoming freshman take over? Um, <clears throat> so it is very much so an old man next up theory at the University of Georgia. If you're next in line, you play. Chaz Chambliss is going to start at Jack. He's going to play a lot of the reps at Jack. He's going to be the guy at Jack, just like I think Carson Beck's going to be that guy at quarterback. The difference is I don't think there's – there is a massive talent gap between Chaz Chambliss and Marvin Jones Jr. in the inverse, okay? I think that entire quarterback room is immensely talented. I think Carson Beck's got a handle on it, okay? But Chaz Chambliss is going to start at that jack position this spring. He is not the most talented in that room, okay? far I wouldn't say far from it, but he is not it, okay? He is uh, 6'3 and a quarter, 245 pounds, um, struggles struggles in space a lot but plays first and second down really really well and prior to kind of getting banged up against Ohio State I thought was playing one of his better football games that he had 
um, up to that point. So he's not the twitchiest football player. And when I watched him on tape and when you watch him, you like on Saturdays in his first, I would say six or seven football games, a not a non super twitchy athlete, you know, after replacing a guy like Nolan Smith, it stuck out like a sore thumb Chaz being out there from an athletic limitation standpoint. And on top of that, he was thinking and processing. It was, it was kind of, it, it looked like it, it looked, you know what I'm saying? And then towards the end of the year, he started playing with a ton of confidence and he started playing really, really fast. The LSU football game for Chaz Chambliss, if he plays 12 games like that this year, he'll be a seven and a half sack guy. He'll be a, a 12 and a half tackle for loss guy. He will be a really high motor, productive, high quality football player at the jack position. He will be the edge rushing version of what Malik Herring was for the University of Georgia at defensive end for two full seasons, three full seasons. Blake Heron, I think, started at Georgia for almost two and a half years and was really, really solid at that DN spot. Just not a not a high ceiling guy, but damn was that floor solid. That's exactly what Chas Chambliss is, in my opinion. Harry says Clemson, the O-line is mid at best. Hey, not necessarily lying, but in my opinion, Clemson, and you can kind of track this, Clemson did a like a five-year span of just taking Clemson guys on the offensive line. What do I mean by Clemson guys? They took six foot four to six foot five, 285 pound high school offensive tackles that showed like plus athleticism, but showed a ton of work needing to be done for them to meet that ceiling. Okay. Those were Clemson guys. Okay. A lot of them were three, four stars. Clemson looked past that and said, it's okay. We'll get them into our place and we'll make them great. Some of them panned out. Okay. Most of them did not. Most of them just end up being very, very good ACC offensive linemen. Very, very good ACC offensive linemen do not hold up very well against elite Big Ten defensive lines or elite SEC defensive lines. I think we've seen that kind of play out in the last playoffs um, that Clemson have been involved in. Which new receiver, freshman, or transfer has the most production for the Dogs in 2023 and why? Um, I'm going to go Dominic Lovett uh, from the wide receiver standpoint. I I think he is one of the... He is the more he is, he is one of the more refined route runners Georgia's had um, at the X receiver or excuse me the Z receiver position in some time. Um, he's very different than Kiaris Jackson. He's very different than Lad McConkey. He's very different um, than some of these X receivers or Z receivers. God dang, I keep doing that. Some of these Z receivers you've had in the last couple of years, uh, even dating back to like 2020 and 2019 when Dominic Blaylock was healthy. He was morphing into a Z receiver that was kind of this, you know, even Jermaine Burton. They're all very, very different than what Dominic Lovett is. Dominic Lovett is a five foot eleven and a half, hundred and eighty-five pound, really, really solid, like A plus route runner. This is a guy that's going to be open. He's going to get open. This is a guy that if you give him and a guy like Carson Beck, who operates off of timing, who operates off of precision, who operates off of uh, just let me know and 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 guarantee where you're going to be, uh, that's a dangerous combination for a guy in a quarterback that's based off of, again, I'm going to be at this point, 
you should be there. You're going to be open. And by God, as soon as you come out of that break, that ball's going to be on your face mask. No questions asked. Precision on the other end helps that a lot. Georgia doesn't have quite the precision at the receiver position like Dominic Lovett. <clears throat> Man, these Q&As go fast. We're 52 minutes in already. This isn't a question. It's more of a comment. Frederick says Monroe Freeling is a scaring-looking dude. Uh, I, I I still think he was a baby when I when I saw him. I mean, he has a lot of facial hair, but he is going to be a really really frightening man at 22. Uh, he is 18 right now. When he is going in into the NFL draft, which is where he's probably headed, that's going to be frightening. Right now, he's got a lot of growth. Got a lot of growth, and that's 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 great. I think that's good news for the University of Georgia. The fact that everyone in the world will tell you that Monroe Freeling is this five-star offensive lineman, and he shows that kind of ability and promise. He does. He tests like that. He looks like that. He ain't even close to playing the quality of football that he's going to. That, to me, is the best thing about that football player. So there you go. Rains Plant says, what are your thoughts on Landon Thomas and how will he fit into the Georgia offense? Um, well, one thing I know about his football coach um, down there, Sean Calhoun, the head coach at Colquitt County, that's a Valdosta State guy. That's a Kirby Smart guy. little fun fact, I'm pretty sure, if my memory serves me correctly, there was some crossover with Sean Calhoun as a player at Valdosta State as a quarterback on those staffs that Kirby Smart were on. So, guys, this world ain't as small as you think it is. It really ain't, all right? Um, yeah, when it comes to South Georgia, man, there ain't there ain't a better football coach for the University of Georgia than Kirby Smart. That dude is a South Georgia Kang. I'm talking about spell it with an A, brother. K-A-N-G, Kang. That dude is a South Georgia Kang. He knows what he's doing down there. Um, so yeah, nah, don't think there was, uh, as for Landon, there's not going to be any surprises with who he is as a football player, who he is as a person when he gets to Georgia, nor is there going to be any type of worry about transition from, Hey, will this guy be able to learn a big time playbook? Cause Sean Calhoun is as big of a playbook as a high school football team gets. That's as professional and as college orga organized organizationally ran, uh, program in, in high school football as it gets it's one of them it is joey king and Carrollton. all right it is whatever they're doing at buford buford my god i couldn't imagine how hard it is to be a, an offensive lineman or a quarterback or a tight end at buford all of the different formations they got going on all the different motions all i mean they still huddle up you know from certain organizations certain places around this this state you're going to get a really really smart football player when you get them on campus, Landon Thomas is one of those. As what is he as a football player, I will tell you this right now. Um, I had a source tell me, they said that he's not Brock Bowers. Do not mistake any of this for it. He's going to be as good as Brock Bowers or he is going to be better than Brock Bowers or anything like this. But I had a source tell me that Landon Thomas as a junior does everything at the tight end position better then anyone on the roster does everything at the University of Georgia. So when it comes to 
does he block well? Yep. Does he catch well? Yep. Does he run routes well? Yep. It does he test like a freak? Yep. Okay. Is he an elite in-person eval? Yep. Is he an elite person? Yep. Okay. Like all of these traits, do you check the boxes? He checks more boxes at the tight end position than anybody that George has had over the last couple of years. Does that mean he will be better than Brock Bowers or Darnell Washington? No, because they do one thing or they do a couple things way better than anyone's ever done them before. Okay. That being said, Landon is extremely, extremely well-rounded. Love this channel, man. Great content. Sick them. Um, and stick them. Go dogs. How about that from Whipmaster Hart? Um, hey, if you do love the channel, if you do love the content, hit that thumbs up button. Um, as long as you guys are here for the foreseeable future, we're going to keep running this. You guys are loading in here. So make sure you're continuing to hit that thumbs up button and we'll keep answering your question. Z1993, I'm sorry. You've asked like 12, 15 questions tonight. We're going to move on to the next guys. Uh, oh, food question. Got to hit it. Uh, biggest pet peeve in the fast food industry. Huh. Right now, probably lack of uh lack of man like lack of uh actual workers being able to produce the food fast enough. Not really fast food anymore. Like go a lot of places, they just don't have the manpower to make the food fast. Um, which ain't the problem of the workers, more the problem of the system and COVID and all that good stuff. Um and you know, minimum wage economy and I'm a football guy, but you know, whatever. Um, probably my biggest pet peeve there right now. Uh, other than that, uh, <coughs> pollen, God dang, uh, biggest pet peeve in the fast food industry. Taco Bell, y'all aren't staying open as late as you used to. You definitely aren't. Uh, McDonald's, I got a McDonald's right here by the crib. That some bitch closes at like 10 o'clock. Don't know what you're doing. Don't know what you're doing at all. Why are you closing so early? Um, the 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 panda, the kung fu panda, the panda express right next door, right to the crib, closing hella early. The the Arby's down the road, Arby's slept on. Don't I think Arby's gets a bad rap? Arby's is very much so the Warren Erickson's of offensive linemen in Georgia. Gets a bad rap. Okay, Arby's high quality. Where's the beef? Um, telling you right now, not bad. Okay, Arby's over here closing all the time, just never available. Broken hand going into the Clemson game, Warren Erickson. Not available. Just just not ready. So probably my biggest pet peeve as of late. Um, but again, not anything, not anything that, you know, the people themselves can solve. Uh more of a corporate issue right there. Uh also if you're been becoming a uh a, a lot of, I'm drinking a lot of Cokes lately. I've been telling you about that lately, but it's been a, a different change in me just trying to supplement one carbonated drink for another if you know what i mean um but if you got a really flat soda or if the syrup's off that's really gonna mess up the vibe it's really gonna jack the vibe up in the whole entire experience so yeah that um also going to a restaurant that i am like very comfortable with and something being off whether it be the salt the dipping sauce or something uh the barbecue from Chick-fil-A changed on me a couple months ago. Didn't love that. Did not love that at all. Um, the uh, Zaxby's sauce. I know you fat boys out there like myself have noticed this. Zaxby's cut corners on the Zax sauce. It ain't hitting like it used to. I don't know what happened. Maybe they cut down on the pepper. I, I don't know. 
Maybe my Zach's boys can hit me up on this one, but I'm not calling anybody out. I know that's a, that's an Athens own business operated it and, and created in there. Shouts out JT Daniels and the NIL collective and all that good stuff in that deal that y'all lost some money on, but you cut, you can pay for JT Daniels to stand inside of a booth and take photos for your butt and only play six games in the university of Georgia, but you cut corners on a Zach sauce. Don't love that. That's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Y'all getting me all hyped up. Oh, oh my God, a Euro. Ooh, we're going to end it on this tonight. A Euro. I see Euros in the live comments. My God. It's lamb? I think it's lamb meat. I didn't know. This is how fat I am. I, You know, we used to, I, I used to live Douglasville. I'm getting real nice and comfortable. Uh, we used to live in Douglasville, Georgia. Shouts out Arbor Place Mall. Um, Mom, love you to death. You know you were a shopaholic. You know you were. Don't even lie. Don't even cap, mom. You love to shop. And when you went shopping, your boy went eating. And all you did was either th you throw us in the uh throw us in the 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 game room. I think it was called GameStop, not GameStop. It was called Timeout. That's what it was called. Timeout. You would send us over to Timeout, uh, ironically named. I spent a lot of time in Timeout, both at the Arbor Place Mall and in life in general. Um, send us over to Timeout, or we sent us over to Food Court. And great raps had a banging ass Euro over there at that Arbor place. And they would saw that lamb meat off that rotate. I mean, any spherical rotation of beef or some type of meat cooked by heat lamps, son, whoo, my mouth's watering just thinking about it. And then that tzatziki sauce, dog, <laughs> Euro slap. But again, my fat ass didn't even know that was lamb meat until like, I don't know, maybe like six years ago. Appreciate you guys for being here. We'll see you uh, Monday night. We'll see you Monday night. I will see the Blitz unit on Call of Duty. Time to go win some Warzone. Shouts out. Love you. Hit that thumbs up button.